0: a time of such obvious deceit and aggressive manipulation, not only by those who once sought our votes or our subservience, but today even by each other, unwittingly doing the bidding of those who seek to control our every purchase, our every click, view, and action, one would think that every plan and decision put forth by these known liars of our recent past and present political elite would be immediately scrutinized and deconstructed for motivation and corruption. Yet that's not exactly the case at least not where it matters. How did this come about? How did they create a culture in which we are now doing the deceiving for them? One in which we are no longer skeptical, but accepting, willing, pleading for their solution. This happened as it always has, by allowing us to think that it's of our own creation. Creating a problem for which they have already been planning a solution for years, waiting for us to react accordingly, and then giving the slightest of resistance lest we feel that we did not have to fight for what we have been programmed to think that we want. And finally, they put into effect what they wanted all along, allowing us to think we won the day. What we are seeing today with the proposed regulation of the currently trending social media outlets is no different. And here with me once again to discuss this long con and its possible repercussions and solutions is James Corbett. Welcome to the show.
1: Thank you very much for having me on. It's a pleasure to be here again.
0: Absolutely. Uh, you recently did an absolutely outstanding video entitled Problem Reaction Solution Internet Censorship Edition. And I obviously it was a great, a fantastic and concise outline of what's going on today. But the thing that stood out to me is we rarely see, we rarely see you get so intense about a topic. And I agree, as you say in the video, it's, it's astonishing how few are recognizing the pattern here for manufactured consent even from those in the independent media who are usually, you know, the most resistant to these types of government actions. So to begin, for those who have actually not seen the video, and of course, I would recommend you absolutely see this video and check it out for yourselves. What would you say is the, the real takeaway from it, the, the point or points you are trying to really drive home? Well, that
1: video was made in response to, obviously, the recent crackdowns we've seen on social media against certain alternative media outlets or certain uh, media voices, and the reaction that has arisen from that has been almost universally, well, this is terrible, they're censoring speech here, we have to do something about it, what are they going to do about it? Which, of course, is the mantra for the problem-reaction-solution formula, which has been used to shepherd the public one way or another for centuries, at the very least, uh, millennia perhaps, um, but always getting people to believe that, yes, what the solution that's going to come down from the heaven is going to be the thing that will lead us to exactly where the social engineers have wanted to lead us to. So in order to get a grasp on this, what does this mean when we look at social media and what is, oh, is the government going to come in and regulate it? So they have to give everyone an equal platform because they're a public carrier, there's going to be regulations What is the end goal of all of this? And perhaps that's the clearest way to put it in perspective. I was talking 10 years ago, you can go back to work that I was doing talking about Internet 2, that they've been talking about for a very, very long time. And the ultimate end vision of this is something like the Chinese-style controlled Internet, where you will need to be ID'd in one form or another to get online and to post anything at all to these controlled outlets that with the flick of a switch, with the touch of a button, can completely eliminate you and everything you've ever posted online because you don't host it yourself. It's all in some nebulous cloud that's controlled by some servers in Silicon Valley that themselves are, of course, part of the intelligence establishment. That is the ultimate end goal here. But if you just forced people into that system, I think there would be a lot of resistance. But if you lead people along step by step, hey, look, this... Twitter can just take your account and just completely delete it. we got to do something about this, guys. What are we going to do? Oh, the government will come in and regulate it. And just little by little, people can be led along towards that end goal that they wouldn't go uh, in any other way. And that's the problem-reaction-solution formula. It's pretty basic once you understand it. And uh, most people, I would say, in the independent media who have examined false flag terrorism and things like that, how does this work? Why do people f- go for this? And what, what is the end result? Understand it intuitively, but they can still be led along um, when they see, they just see the problem in front of them and they see the, the, the solution that's being offered and they can just be led along in little steps like that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that something that I've picked up from your work and many others is this kind of underlying seeming need or or desire for somebody to save us, like some, you know, reaching out for a solution as opposed to finding one for ourselves through what we have. And I actually greatly appreciate your work for that in in general. So let's, let's begin by obviously touching on one of the topics that is the focal point for all these people that are discussing this today, including independent media, which is obviously Alex Jones and how he plays into that Well, how do you think that this ultimately plays in? Is this a grand deception? Uh, You know, and and maybe we can get into the kind of coordinated, you know, just deletion of all of his platforms, except, oops, they left his app there for everyone to funnel into his website. So what are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, and it's suddenly become extremely popular, right? Mm -hmm. Interesting how that works. But uh, you're right. I mean, the problem-reaction-solution formula is so effective because, of course, there is a problem, and we all know there is a problem. We can all sense it. We can all see it. And so if they just get you to think about the problem in a certain way, in a certain controlled framework, then the reaction and the solution will pretty much present themselves. So the real point is to truly and properly understand the problem itself. What is the underlying problem? And if we think the problem is just, you know, Mark Zuckerberg and his crony pals in Silicon Valley deciding, you know, they don't like conservatives or something. If we see that as the problem, then the solution, of course, is going to be some political thing with the government coming in. That's the framework for the discussion. But the problem is much more underlying than that. There's there's an underlying issue here, which is the centralization of these platforms. The fact that we are giving our data, our our information, our posting our content to centralized platforms that we don't control. And once you do that, then yeah, you're going to have to get mummy government or daddy government to come in and, and try to do some things the right way and hopefully regulate things in a way that'll be good for you. Yeah. You know, keep crossing your fingers and wishing for that. Um, so if the problem is centralization of our data and our, our content and all of that in in these places, what is the answer to that? It has to be decentralization, which is, hey, that's what the funding, founding principle ethos of what the internet is, is all about. Yes, it's decentralized. It's a decentralized network. So why do we keep congregating in these centralized control platforms. It's easier. I know my grandma can set up a Facebook account. It's okay, it's easy, it's so easy. Yeah, all right. Well, if you just want ease and convenience, you are going to be led along a very controlled path and that path is going to lead to the completely Chinese style controlled internet where you're gonna have to ID your thumbprint or whatever to get online and everything is going to be controlled. Um, That's not where I wanna go. So it's not gonna be easy But there are decentralized ways and more coming along all the time of getting around these these problems of centralized control because the problem isn't just social media censorship, although that obviously is one that presents itself. But we're now looking in the face of uh, censorship at the internet infrastructure level. Um, Microsoft Azure provides cloud services for sites like Gab.ai, which is supposed to be the Twitter alternative. It's really just a neo-Nazi hangout, but whatever. It's supposed to be the alternative free speech Twitter platform hosted by Microsoft's Azure. And Microsoft is coming along and saying, well, maybe we don't want to host you anymore. Okay. Oh, Cloudflare. All of these sort uh, infrastructure services that are provided are starting to, to think about censorship. Again, the only real solution here, the only one that actually gets to the fundamental underlying problem is decentralization, peer-to-peer. Again, that is what the internet enables, but we just have to know and actually start using those alternatives that are coming up. And as I say, more coming up and online all the time. Most people have no idea what IPFS is. No, Most people have no idea what the DAT protocol is. No, Most people have no idea that things like the Beaker browser are starting to make decentralized serverless web browsing a possibility, not just a possibility, but something you can actually do. Uh, some really mind-blowing things are happening, but of course no one's concentrating on that because hey I want to be I want to be on Facebook I want to be on Twitter please let me onto your controlled platform that is a stuck on stupid conversation please let me be on your controlled platform or I'll make daddy government come in and tell you to do that is the wrong conversation to be having the only real solution is decentralization how do we get this power and control out of the hands of these c- controlled Companies that are obviously in bed with the intelligence establishment, we go around them. We have the ability to connect directly with other people. We do not need their controlled
0: platforms. That is the real solution. I couldn't agree more. And it's interesting that it's very clear what the problem is. I think everybody can agree, like we're pointing out, it's that nobody is focusing on the right solution. And I think that's the, one of the most important takeaways here is that we're so focused on what's dividing us, we're not focusing on other possible routes that we could be taking. You touched on government there and, and its connections. Obviously, that's something that is a big focal point for this discussion, but something people, many I would say that are not in the independent media perhaps would not think about is the government connections that are already existing in social media today prior to all of this so is this is this kind of a proposal a proposal for the regulation is this more normalizing what's already happening in a way kind of like the war powers act today which we pointed out in the past is simply them just writing into law what they're already doing right censorship government control influence under the guise of fighting it would you say that's accurate today Yeah, it's extremely
1: important for people who um, don't understand this point to understand that government regulation, when they come in to regulate an industry, is almost always for the benefit of the big established players in that industry who are already set and ensconced and have their place. It, It is designed to eliminate competition or the possibility of new things coming up. And there are Millions of examples of that. One which I've covered on my podcast in the past is the creation of the FDA in 1906, after the outcry over the meatpacking industry when uh, Upton Sinclair released *The Jungle*, and everyone was like, "Oh my God, the meat packers—it's—it's it's crazy." Most people have no clue that the meat packers, the main, the big companies, actually wanted that regulation to be passed because it effectively eliminated the competition. The competition couldn't afford to jump through the hoops and get the right inspectors on their side and blah, blah, blah. So the already politically connected giant meat packers that were the monopoly power got their monopoly ensconced by the fact that the government came in to regulate the industry. That is exactly what the Silicon Valley overlords are hoping will happen in this case too. They want the government to come in to regulate, to say social media platforms must do this, and they must have that, and they must follow these protocols, and they must know your customer, and they must blah, 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 so that yeah, the mom and pops, the decentralized, the peer-to-peer alternatives will not be able to compete. They will be outlawed because you don't f- follow this and you don't do this and you don't just go through this hoop and you don't get the phone number from your user and blah, blah, blah. That is the point of all of this. And as the point that I made in my podcast, episode 344, Problem, Reaction, Solution, Internet Censorship Edition, is that uh, if uh, the, the as essentially these monopolies become the, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. So uh, as I said in that podcast, 10 years ago, if the government had stepped in at that time to try to regulate social media, they would have been regulating MySpace. You know, everyone has to be given a MySpace account and you can't, you can't uh, get rid of their MySpace account and MySpace, blah, blah, blah. It's laughable from our perspective today because who the hell even remembers MySpace? Who cares? It's gone. It's a dodo exactly as Facebook and other companies like it are already becoming right now. Uh, 40% of social media users, I believe, have uh, deleted a social media account in the past year. People are flocking away from Facebook. Young people these days aren't using Facebook anymore. It's all for grandmas and what have you to keep track of their grandchildren. Uh, it's, it, it's a dying platform, and it will die, if we let it die and if we again embrace the real alternatives that exist out there, but if the government comes in to regulate it and say you must do this and you must do that and you must follow these hoops and you must have a compliance officer who's blah 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 blah, then goodbye, minds.com, goodbye, bit shoot, goodbye, steam it, goodbye, DTube, goodbye, all of these other alternatives that I've talked about. On my site, I recently had a uh, video series called Social Media Alternatives where I was just looking at some of the social media platforms that already exist today. We don't have to think high in the sky about something we could do. No, there are already alternatives that exist today that you can join and that you can participate in and you can start uh, p- producing content on that is not controlled. And it's there's various ways of doing it, IPFS and blockchain and web uh, uh, WebTorrent, and all of these things. Incredible new technologies are already there. We just got to start using them. And uh, that's the point. Again, the big companies want regulation because it makes them into monopolies.
0: Absolutely. And that was actually one of the questions I was going to ask, which you kind of already answered there, is that we've seen this in the past where the promise of regulation, essentially with the promise, even like we are just saying about the War Powers Act kind of thing, which people who aren't familiar is essentially claiming to fight Endless war, while essentially enshrining the president's ability to do exactly that, these past regulations ultimately create the monopolies which we're now all faced with, such as having one phone company, one power company. And it's it's incredibly frustrating to see how this is connected with the corruption of the government, lobbyists in particular. So, you know, one thing I want to ask you that I found to be important here, especially in regard to why so many independent media are stuck on this, is, you know, much of the discussion right now in the independent media about The positive side of government regulation, to whatever degree, interestingly seems to be predicated on this idea that those ultimately doing the regulating are inherently altruistic, or at least not corrupt. And with all that we've seen, even in just the last two years, why do you think this is? Are we seeing yet another, like, Trump Q-style sleight of hand, pulling those who are otherwise very skeptical of all things government kind of back into the power structure?
1: Yeah, no, let's be realistic. No, of course, they're not angels. They're not regulating. But if the bad people get into power, then you'll get to go to the ballot box four years from then and get a new team in. Don't worry, you still have control. Yeah, it's it's the same old psyop that works so beautifully. It plays so fundamentally on such deep psychological uh, inclinations that we have as human beings that, yeah, okay, well, no one's perfect, but these guys will be, we'll just set them up as the arbiters, and they will decide, and if we don't like them, we'll have some mechanism for trying to keep them accountable. And then it'll all be our fault in the end when they start regulating the wrong way because we didn't keep them accountable enough. You know, you weren't keeping close enough watch on the watchers. Therefore, it's your fault. That's that's one of the sick things about the whole, the whole idea of this democratic whatever system that we live in is that when things go wrong, it's your fault because you didn't keep enough control over the mafia that controls you. <laughs> yeah, okay. Anyway, it's just a way to victim blame. No, the real point, again, I, I keep coming back to this and all of my work but especially in this is that ultimately it's about what you do it is about what you, the choices you make it is the things that you can control and the things you can't control and you have to put your responsibility into the things you can control so to the extent that you do not have to be on Facebook you do not have to be on Twitter you can start using alternatives you don't even have to be on social media of any sort i mean hey maybe that's the big solution here but even Within that frame, that box, still, there are many, many different ways to go, and uh, we have to take the responsibility for it ourselves, not put it onto some outside authority that we can then say, oh, they did it wrong. They didn't regulate the way I wanted it regulated, therefore, it's, it's the wrong thing, and we'll just have to try again. Uh, again, that's a fool's game, and they get us stuck
0: in it. So true. And it's something that I always try to drive home with my viewers is that we really need to get past this savior complex of thinking that one president, one person, one bill, one anything is ultimately going to change a system that's created for the corrupt that are currently running it. And it's it's the,
1: the thing that's the thing that's particularly mind-blowing about this situation is that I mean I wonder if people can grasp this. So the very people who are obviously upset about what's happening right now and feel the most threatened, the, the conservatives who are you know getting censored on social media because it's a bunch of libtards in Silicon Valley um, and are now thinking along the lines of, well, we need government regulation because Trump's in power and he'll do it the right way, I guess. Well, even if you believe that, these are the exact same people that if anything like this was even mentioned two or three years ago under Obama, it would have been the end of the world and they would have been 1000% opposed to it because no, we don't want Obama regulating what can happen on the internet. But now that it's Trump, well, okay, it's good. And four or eight years or whenever the the next Democrat gets into power, suddenly it'll be like, oh no, they have too much power. How did this happen? (laughs) Time after time, it's the same thing. And it's just, it's very frustrating to watch this happen, happening, especially when you keep telling people about this trek over and over and over and people blindly and gladly jump off that ledge and and almost, uh, uh, at a certain point, you have to question, well, what can you do to actually stop people from jumping off that ledge?
0: Yeah, it it is increasingly, it it really baffles me how I saw a recent poll talking about the same thing saying, you know, 50 so percent of Republicans want Trump to censor this or that. And it's just how they don't recognize what you're just saying. This literally the next party comes in and it's the same. How do you not see that that power applies to them? I, I would argue many of these people today, these Uber men, you know, republican or trump mentality people think he'll rule forever somehow or you know or they, they see this playing out well how do you see right, i mean i forgot he's going to eliminate the deep state right yeah yeah exactly <laughs> you never have to worry about this again so how talking about this briefly how, how do you see the two-party paradigm here playing into this obviously it's, it's clear to us but for those that may not know i mean clearly you know there's a, there's a, something in place there to keep us at each other's throats how is this stopping us from from seeing the real problem
1: right yeah well actually this yeah this is an interesting confluence because at this point now it, the people who are cheering on the censorship itself are the left the Democrats the who hate these crazy conservative right-wing conspiracy nuts um, and the crazy conservative right-wing conspiracy nuts who are being censored are the ones crying for the government to regulate because it's a Republican in power so you have this it's the exact opposite of what we're supposed to believe. Well, the Democrats and the left are supposed to be for free, free speech, and the right are supposed to be for censoring, like back in the 80s, when, of course, it was the right-wing politicians that were saying, you know, people shouldn't be using bad words in rap songs or whatever. Uh, but now we've had this complete inversion where the left is cheering on censorship, which I think shows the underlying point. It really has nothing to do with deeply, profoundly held political ideology that is based on some rational philosophical uh, belief that, that uh, you've thought out in some in some manner and you have actual justifiable principles behind what you're saying. No, it's my team is in power. That team isn't in power. I want this to happen. I want that to happen. It's red, blue. And it's just the fundamental underlying psychology of it again that does not work on everyone. Clearly, it doesn't work on me, it doesn't work on my folk. Uh, many people in this audience, but we all know people that it does work on exceptionally well, that will just, whatever the party line is, and whether literally the party line or just something that you know you're supposed to believe if you're on the left or you're supposed to believe if you're on the right, it will work to herd enough people into the system that... They can just keep warring with each other. And as it's been said many times, but it needs to be said again, the left and the right really just prop each other up to really underlie the establishment as it exists. That is the status quo, is the left and the right warring against each other. And as long as the population is neatly divided about half and half, then they can just keep doing that little seesaw, and it it will just get stuck in that whatever is down the center line. So uh, that's the way this works, and uh, again, it's it plays on such underlying psychological inclinations that we have, and 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 this has been developed and worked on and studied for at least a century. I mean, go back to the behaviorists and all of that and look at the roots of propaganda, modern-day propaganda and PR and Lippmann and Bernays and people like that. They, that was 100 years ago. They have very vastly refined and reformed their ideas and made them even more current and cutting edge. And they're still working on them. And whatever iteration is coming next, I'm, I'm hearing twitterings of Xeonon now. QAnon, that was so last month. Now there's a Xeon who is predicting events. So watch out, guys. There's an there's a new anti-deep state something or other, whatever, on posting on 4chan. This is where we go for our news these days.
0: Yeah, that most definitely it seems like there's just could be a rejuvenation of some old effort they've done in the past, which seems to be the way they do it. I definitely agree. I think the two party paradigm the deception there is in my opinion the largest underlying problem that we have that really keeps us from addressing the real problem in the room which i know many agree with but it seems almost impossible to get people to that even can agree with that statement to really grasp what that means and stop putting themselves in these party lines so one one big question that can, we can finish with before we actually talk about a couple solutions i'm sure you have as far as where we could go elsewhere which is probably an, a, a, a question for an entire other show but maybe we could do in the future. Just the topic of regulation, because I know that, you know, you, you, you kind of dance that line of anarchism, libertarian, and I'm very similar in that way, that do you think we need regulation at all, in your opinion? Uh, no,
1: and I mean that in the sense that I do not think there should be a monopoly body that comes in and regulates that you, that you cannot do this, you have to do this with, in, in regards to this industry. The real solution, I mean, clearly we do need some kind of standards and guidelines. We need an some FDA-like body to, because most of us are not chemists and are not doing you know experiments with everything we put in our body. We do, I mean, how do I know that this chemical is, is safe or not safe? But the point is, if you have one monopoly body that gets to come in and say, you know, this is FDA approved, this is not, you can sell this, you cannot sell this, then what happens inevitably is, oh, this Monsanto director just got appointed as the head of the FDA and now glyphosate is approved. Wow, I wonder how that works. Every time, that is what regulation is for. It is to facilitate the monopolization of things like that and the, the, the control of that power so that you can further your monopoly power. That is what it's for. So you have competing bodies and they compete with each other. There's this, whatever, FDA, but it's not government. And then there's, you know, the, the uh, food and drug body, the FDB, whatever. And, you know, and there, there's... A, 10 of them, 100 of them, whatever, and you choose, oh, these guys have been right in the past. I like what they're doing. I trust. I know the board. I know da-da-da-da. That's the only real solution to this, this question of of regulation. I've talked about this in the past. I did mention that uh, I did a podcast on Upton Sinclair's The Jungle that people should look up, talking about the FDA specifically. But I've also done a podcast called The Regulation Trap, where I go into more Detail about this and how this really works, um, which I know is a hard concept for a lot of people to get their mind around. Because, well, we need the federal, the Food and Drug Administration, uh, we need the uh, the ADA and all of these these other uh, bodies to tell us, you know, who can be a doctor and who can't, and all of these things. How could it work without that? I'm not saying that we don't need some sort of bodies to do this type of sussing out of things that we cannot do all of ourselves. But I'm saying there should be competition, as in everything else. When there's competition, we can choose. And then we also have a mechanism for actually holding these things accountable. Right now, if the FDA screws up, screws up, and oh, oops, we approved glyphosate, and it turns out it's actually carcinogenic, and oh, by the way, now it's the most used agricultural chemical in the history of the world. But oops, you know, oh, it has nothing to do with Monsanto board directors being on the, you know, directing the FDA. There's, it's just coincidence, you conspiracy theorists. No, but right now in that system, when that happens, what do you, what do you do to hold FDA FDA accountable? What can you do? Oh, you can vote someone else for president four years from now that's going to have what effect on what? Nothing. You can do nothing in this system, you are powerless. But in a system where there's no stamp of government approval and everyone must divide, and they have the force of law to tell you you must do this and you must not do that, where there's just competing bodies, if there's some FDA-like body that gives bad information and appoints Monsanto directors to their board and what have you, then you say, hell no, and you stop using them and you stop listening to them and you do not take their advice and you go with somewhere else. That is your power. But you don't have that power in a monopoly system.
0: Oh, you mean like a free market? What a novel idea. That is (laughs) (laughs) interesting. I love that concept. Like we said in one of our past interviews, right? Who's going to build the roads? It's the same thing, right? We're with the same people. We're all here. The people are the ones that do it. We don't need that government overarching hand telling us how we need to function between the free and exchange between adults. I mean, that's, that's the, for me, that's the big exchange there that gets frustrating when you see that forced into it, that we need them to protect us from ourselves. Well, uh, let's to finish here, as always, I mean, you know, I always tell my viewers as often as possible to, you know, go out there and vote with your dollar, vote with your actions every single day, you know, the, or really the only vote that they actually respect slightly in this system today. So what would you say for the, those out there? You know, what what would be the systems, the alternatives you would recommend? You already named a couple of them. And, you know, what would the average individual do to kind of fight against this growing manufactured tide of... Of calling for regulation today,
1: right? Well, I do. I am on Bitshoot.com. I am on DTube. I am on Steam. I am on Minds.com as alternative social media outlets. I really only use social media to promote my work, though. I'm not interested in you know chatting with my friends on social media because I think that is a trap. And I did notice that I I got off Twitter earlier this year. I was on it again to promote my work, but I found that it was taking up more and more of my time. The addictive, never-ending news feed, you can keep scrolling and scrolling. They really have, and they now admit it, the designers of these platforms admit they designed them to addict you. They play on your neurochemical reactions to stimuli in order to keep you addicted to their platforms. And I was noticing it myself. Someone who's talked about this for years and examined it and, and, and is very aware of it was finding myself scrolling that Twitter feed when I had a spare minute. What am i doing so. I have to stop that myself. So, really, I mean, really, if you don't have to be on social media, maybe you shouldn't be there. But if you do, and if you do have a message to promote, then yeah, look into these other alternative outlets. And hey, I get people are going to say, but it's the network effect, and oh, if you're not on Facebook, no one will see you because all your friends are on Facebook. Well, if you do not become the example for others to follow, it ain't going to happen. The responsibility is on each of us to make it happen. And I know that's not a satisfying answer. It's not because it's so satisfying to think that someone's going to come down from the clouds and save you. Someone's going to come and present some perfect, easy package solution that you just boop and suddenly everything's better. It ain't going to happen that way. It is going to be a struggle. That is the whole point. You, they want you to see the two paths, and you struggled along this path, or you just coast, just go with the flow along the other path. Of course, you just want to go with the flow, and more and more and more controlled until you realize, oh, we're being led to the slaughterhouse. So. It, the choice is yours and that's what it always comes down to. so in terms of specific things that i'd recommend i would recommend people go to my social media alternative series just type social media alternatives into my search bar on forboard.com you'll find all of the things that i've done in the past and i realize now i will have to do more in-depth work on what is IPFS? What is the DAP protocol? What are these new things that are coming along? Because mo- as I say, most people haven't even heard of them, let alone know what these things are, or what they can do, or the, the potential things that are being realized now in peer-to-peer and decentralized uh, technology space. So it's one of the duties that will fall to me, I guess, to try to, uh, to do this and to explain it in a way that people will be able to, to understand it. So I'll, I'll continue doing this work in the future.
0: Well, absolutely. Well, you know, thanks again for joining me today. And I definitely think the important takeaway for many people out there outside of simply finding the alternatives is to recognize that I'm sure you agree with that one of the biggest, the largest pillars of whether you want to say liberty or freedom or self-determination is self-responsibility. And that we truly need to begin to recognize that, that any kind of a government entity does not necessarily remove danger. You can't just eliminate danger from your life, In my opinion, it simply just adds another layer of it. So we definitely need to begin to recognize that and seek out these alternatives, whether it be decentralization in general and all things, which I agree with, blockchain technologies or otherwise. And I I absolutely agree. So I'll make sure and follow up with some of your work and include that. And truly, thanks again for joining me, James. I think we always have great discussions. I appreciate it very much. and looking forward to our next conversation. Absolutely. All right, everybody out there, you stay vigilant. We'll see you next
2: time. She's